you can be in a position that changes the entire trajectory of your life if you see that moment as something that could be magical. Welcome to Working Women Mentor, a podcast that empowers everyday women like you, like me, to share and learn from life's mentor moments. I am your host, Rainey Alpers, and in each episode, you will meet inspiring women that understand the power of recognizing mentor moments and how those moments can change it all. These fabulous women are here and ready to share it all with you. So let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Working Women Mentor. Today's episode, we're with Anna Paplia. And it's incredible because we're going behind the scenes of an interview. If you've ever wanted a position or have been the hiring manager and on that side of the table interviewing someone, this episode's going to resonate with you. She's giving us real life advice on what to do now in the workplace when interviewing. Anna is the CEO of SHIP. She created a revolutionary assessment that really changes the way we enter an interview on all sides of the table. And she's got a powerful story that truly makes us understand how an interview can change your life. It actually changed hers. And in today's episode, she gives tips, she gives advice. And listen, she's got over a million followers on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. And if she's not in your social feed, I mean, I believe she's everywhere when I open my phone. But she's giving this really direct and approachable and authentic advice all for free. She's really trying to help the community out there. And she's built an incredible one. And today she's bringing us in her community and we get to spend some time with her. So let's jump in and meet Anna. Here we go. Anna Papalia, thank you so much for joining us on Working Women Mentor today. How are I'm you? Fantastic. How are you? I'm wonderful. You're live from Philadelphia this morning. And so that's exciting. And I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our audience. Sure. Absolutely. My name is Anna Papalia. I am the CEO of Shift Profile. I've been heading up this business for almost 12 years. Previous to this, I was a director of talent acquisition where I was responsible for hiring everyone in the organization. I created the early talent pipeline programs that they're still running to this day. I partnered with all of the executives on all of our positions. And by the time I left that role, I'd hired over 80% of the employees. I've been in over 10,000 interviews. And truthfully, I loved my job as a director of talent, but I had sort of a come to Jesus moment. People were coming in interviews not knowing what they were doing. I saw hiring managers bombing interviews all the time, not knowing what they were doing. And I just thought to myself, there has to be a better way to do this. And that was my simple mission. I wanted to teach job seekers and hiring managers how to interview better. One of my first clients was Temple University's Fox School of Business. I had hired most of my interns from their program. And they asked me, you know, you know what they're doing right and wrong on both sides of the table, come in and write a curriculum and fix it. So I did that for the first five years of my business. I taught mock interviews, resume writing, interview skills. And for the first five years, I did it the way just about every career coach does it. Do this, get there 15 minutes early, do what I say, do what I say. And I got to a point in my business where I started to realize this actually doesn't work for everybody. It works for me. Mm -hmm. And why doesn't it work for everybody? And if you've been teaching for any amount of time, you start to realize that sometimes your teaching really resonate with some people and sometimes it doesn't. 
And for the first couple of years, I would just get frustrated, like, well, they're not prepared or, or they're not doing their homework. And I really took a step back and asked myself, I think it's something deeper. And that led me to a major light bulb moment that changed my business. So this is where you took frustration and the action was about to happen, I bet. Yes. I thought, what if people don't all interview the same way? What if I could collect some research and figure out what it is that makes people tick? Because having been in thousands of interviews, I know that there's a way that people come across and I wanted to create a formalized language to, to kind of codify this, right? To figure this out. I can totally see that. That makes so much sense to me. And I was in a perfect place to do that. I was at a university setting. I was there six days a week. Uh, I was meeting thousands of students a year. So I set out to collect the research in about two years. I realized that there are these things called interview styles. And I wrote a personality assessment and I tested it and I tested it and I tested it on my students. And I realized, wow, this is sort of the language that we've never had before. And when I was previously a director of talent, I was just always stumped and debriefs. Like, you know, if you've been debriefing in interviews about people before, people often just reduce candidates to, well, I don't know. I don't like them. Had to be deeper than that. So in my assessment, what I realized is that, is that the way you interview is more closely connected to your levels of introversion and extroversion. We know intuitively that introverts and extroverts make different impressions. How accommodating or steadfast you are, meaning how likely are you to change your answers depending on the you know people interviewing you. And what I discovered mm -hmm. is there are four distinct styles. There are charmers, challengers, harmonizers, and examiners in interviews. And with this, my entire coaching framework changed. I started using this in my classes that I taught and my students just, it was just night and day. They loved it. They, they felt seen by the, by the advice, this customized report. And it was like, you know, they would go through their profiles and like, I don't know how you did this. This is exactly how I am in an interview. And that, that was like the highest compliment, right? And that's what I wanted. I wanted to replace all this garbage, all of this advice out there that just memorize these answers to get a job. That's not how you get a job. You get a job by being your authentic self with confidence wrapped up with some professionalism, right? But the, the baseline, what I saw with all of my clients is an interview in the basic sense is a set of questions about you. And you are going to do better if you know yourself. So if I could create a personality assessment that holds a mirror up to someone and says, this is who you are, they're going to go further, faster. That's my job as a coach and a teacher. And so for the last six years of my business, I felt this great responsibility to this product and discovering this thing. So I got our, our assessment scientifically validated and then COVID happened. And I was like, well, I always knew I was going to write a book. What better time than this when the world is completely shut down and I have all this extra time? And I wrote a book, the collection of all the research that I had come up with over the years. And I, I'm so glad I took the time to do that because I have this product and the way of coaching and this framework and now a book to go along with it. So that's a long introduction of who I am and what I do, but that's now modern day um, how I've got but it comes together so beautifully, Anna. It really does. And so from being in recruiting and coaching and HR and over into it, you sound like a scientist. You're collecting data, you're running experiments, you're figuring out which way this happened. And what a great setting to do that in. I I'm curious, has your four categories changed? 
from when you started? Like, did you just start putting a title to those at some point? And then you're like, okay, no. And then you narrowed it down to the charmer, to, you know, the examiner. Did those change? No, it, it was very clear. To me, it was clear. And then I did the research and it got even more clear. Um, when we originally, when I originally discovered the interview styles, they had different names. I'm not great at naming things. And then over the years, I started to meet hundreds of people that would take my assessment and test it for me. I would, you know, play around with, you know, would you like to be called a charmer in interviews? Or, you know, we had other names, right? So that's the only thing that quote unquote changed was the titles that we give the interview styles, the names. But no, the styles have been stable and they are stable for people. If you took our assessment, over 87% of respondents will get the same results year after year. And we know that because we've tested many people over two and three year periods and they stay the same, right? Like one of the reasons I named it the shift profile is because as we all know, you have to shift in interviews. And one of the major problems with an assessment like Myers-Briggs, for example, which also is not scientifically valid at all, is, is junk science. Most people don't know that. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's total garbage, actually. And I don't know how it's gotten into the zeitgeist and been such a global phenomenon that it is. No, because I'm glad you are addressing this. When I think of a personality test, I, I have to say there's a little bit of discomfort when I just hear the words. And I can think of several times where I've taken maybe the disc test or just something. I'm like, oh, I don't want to see the results. I don't even want to know. Because you maybe were a little afraid to see what's on there. And we shouldn't be. But how is your test different than those? And I think you're going in that direction. So I'd love to hear more about that. Um, well, yeah, I think like what I was saying before, personality assessment is a mirror. It's self-awareness, right? So if you're afraid to look in the mirror, that might be part of it, right? That might be part of why you don't want to look at those results. Now, all personality assessments are different, right? First of all, the most important thing is to ask yourself, is it scientifically valid? You know, Myers-Briggs is not. Um, DISC is a wonderful tool and it's, it's very simple, but DISC just assesses your communication style in the same way that my assessment only assesses how you are in an interview. Now, over 90% of respondents that take our assessment tell us, wow, this is how I am at work, in my life, with my husband. But we also know that interviews change people, right? It's an artificial event where you're going to change your behavior to get the outcome that you want, the job or the promotion. So what I assess is how are you in those moments, in those interview moments? Could also be a date, right? A date, an interview, something like that. So you have yeah. to ask yourself those questions. What is it assessing? Is it scientifically valid? Those are really important to understand before you take it seriously, for example. Well, so my 11-year-old came home from school the other day and says, Mom, I did a personality assessment today at school. <laughs> I thought, what? Yeah, I, I didn't even hear about these things till probably late high school or something or, or maybe early college. Who knows? And I don't remember the name of the test, but he said, I'm a thinker. I was rated thinker as number one. And the last one was mover. And there was a connector and there was one other category on there that was number two for him. But he just talked all about it. And the next day he came home and he said, well, they accumulated all the data for the school and for my fifth grade class. And I was X percent to 16% of, he knew how many of those boys were this and how many were that. And what a wonderful tool as they start learning early on that these things are okay. I didn't, certainly didn't learn that. Um, but also as to how you approach 
other people around you and how you approach things. So this idea of assessing ourselves sounds incredibly healthy, and especially when you want a job. Well, I, I think that's <laughs> yeah. great that, he, that they're doing that. You know, for me, what I'm so passionate about in democratizing the interview process is that we understand, first and foremost, that we don't all interview in the same way, which is, I think, the lesson they're trying to teach your son, if I had to extrapolate from that story, is trying to show you that like you may be a thinker, but this person's a connector in the same way that I try to give that lesson to anyone, especially hiring managers. We do corporate trainings all the time. I just did one yesterday, right? If you're a charmer in interviews, you prioritize being liked and making a connection. If you're interviewing your polar opposite in examiner, they do not prioritize being liked in an interview. They prioritize being seen as qualified. They look at an interview like a test that will either be pass or fail. And that sets everyone up for different experiences. And we, until this point, didn't have a language to talk about how our wires are going to get crossed. And what I'm hoping to do in my book and in my research is to outline this. So when you're in a debrief or you meet a candidate or you're preparing for a job, you're like, okay, I know what my priorities are. I know my baseline. I know what I always want to do. For example, I'm a charmer. I want to make a connection and tell stories. But that means that I may forget to talk about my technical qualities. I may forget to talk about metrics and details and how I'm qualified. And that will help you better prepare for the interview. So the shift profile is filling in the gaps of what your personality typically lends towards that you aren't naturally doing. So it reminds you that these are some other pieces that you need to bring into that interview. It's a nice way to put it. It's like, listen, this is who you are. Kudos for you for being a challenger, for wanting to be heard and respected and asking tough questions. But hey, guess what? Remember, you should also be doing these other things as well, right? We all have strengths and weaknesses. And we also all have these interview styles within us, but we need to learn and get the permission to tap into it because here's the universal truth I stumbled onto. Everyone thinks that everyone interviews the way they do. And all the interview advice out there, I've read all the books, I bought them all before I, I wrote my own. I was like, oh, this was written by a charmer. Oh, this was written by a challenger. Oh, this is written by That's a so funny. Like, if we could pass <laughs> out of that for a second and think, okay, like this, you know, I'm not, this isn't the only perspective. And other people have valid ways of doing this. That's going to change the conversation. It's going to change hiring. It's going to change how we present ourselves. And your formula, I anticipate, will change how we approach interviews. So if you're speaking to someone who hasn't been in the job market for a while, they've been in the same position, they're thinking about making a change, and they're dusting off the resume, they're, they're, they're going to sit down and be very vulnerable and talk with someone in that interview, what advice would you give them? I think first and foremost, interviewing, it's a mindset game and you have to get your confidence right. And one of the best ways to get your confidence right is to dust off that resume. And I hear comments a lot. So you met me through Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. I do videos all the time and I get comments from women, especially who have taken time off or have gaps on their resume because they had to care for aging parents or they had to raise their children and their confidence takes a hit. And I always say, and I've responded with these with video comments, if you've been raising children for the last six years, you could run the country, okay? Like the skills that you have, the time management and all the things that you do, the ability to multitask, 
but it starts with how do you talk about this time that you took off, right? Because you have to balance. You can't really talk about personal stuff. You don't want to talk about family and kids in an interview. And you'd have to dust off that resume and think back to like your old jobs and how you position yourself now. And everyone hates writing and updating their resume, but I think it is the absolute most crucial first step in interviewing because you have to remember all the things that you did and you have to think about how you're going to present yourself and nothing better than your resume to look over like, oh yeah, I remember, oh yeah, I did that project and I did this and and it just helps boost that that confidence that I'm talking about. That's good advice. I, I've talked with friends that are going through this and they said, hey, do you have any resumes that someone sent you? I have no idea what a resume should look like anymore. That uh, they, they don't even know how to formulate it and what should stand out and grab someone's attention. And so I think there's all of these questions around that. And to the, the mom who's been taking time off with their children, how wonderful. I saw a resume recently that said, CEO of my household. And, and she went on. I loved it. She went on to list all of these attributes. And I thought, you go, girl, because they are also true and skills that are transferable and relatable. And I was really excited for her and the way that she built out that category of So there was, a, was not a job gap. There was like, I've been working around the clock in this position and I'll work around the clock for you. And I thought, yeah, this is this That's is good. Powerful. <laughs> this is- I love that. Good for her. That's amazing. I was excited about that one. So when someone is dusting off that resume, you know, do you send them to Fiverr or somewhere online to look for someone who can help put this into a graphic design format or is that of interest or do people care about that anymore, Anna? Um, We care about templates for sure. So there are two things you have to do when you're picking your template and updating your resume. Number one, you don't just pick a template because you like it and you think it's pretty. Okay. Your template depends on the industry where you're applying for jobs. I worked in finance and insurance. I worked for an insurance brokerage is a very conservative industry. So you would pick a conservative template. Otherwise, they're just they're just going to laugh at you or just delete it. I'm going to be honest with you. So number one is what industry are you in? If it's graphic design, for example, you're going to have a really cool graphic resume, obviously. Number two, your resume shouldn't be more than two pages ever. I don't care how long you've been working. No one's going to read more than two pages. They barely read one. So template and length are really important. I I have two resume templates on our website. We have lots of free resources at shiftprofile.com. There's an executive level template. So if it's a two page because you've been working for more than 10 years, you would need an executive summary at the top. And if you're working less than 10 years, you can use a one page resume, which we also have on my website. One of the things that I admire about you, Anna, is you mentioned your following your social platforms with over a million followers on Facebook and the advice that you're sharing. Anyone listening, and we'll have how to reach you, obviously, at the end of the episode, but you have some great tips and you're so generous to share these templates and these profiles and this information that helps us navigate this very, very tricky market of finding a position. That is really mentorship in the workplace in a nutshell. So so thank you for that. And when you're talking with those job seekers, are there some things that they should just stop doing right now? I know there's so many of them, but are there a few that come to mind that you'd say, like, ladies, just stop it. Just don't do this. Well, I would say number one, you know, stop thinking that you don't deserve a job that makes you happy. Um, stop this nonsense thinking that you have to stay in a job that you're miserable in. There, I, I guarantee there are jobs out there that will pay you better and that will make you happier. 
And the only thing stopping you is you, period. End of story. Right now, we are in a really hot market. We don't have a lot of top talent out there. And we have tons of openings. Don't listen to what the media says. Look at the employee data that the Department of Labor puts out. Um, I did some TikToks about this recently, about the New York Times putting out these stats. You don't listen to the voices in your head, right? There are always opportunities out there. So that's number one, you know, your mindset, the limiting beliefs, the things that you tell yourself. And then beyond that, if you think that applying for a job, like going on a company's website, applying, and then just sitting and waiting for them to get back to you is how you're going to get a job, you're going to get a new job in maybe five to eight years. That's not the way it works. Okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I love that. I'm just going to be really honest with you. I was a director of talent acquisition, and this is how it works. You need to apply directly. You need to find those recruiters on LinkedIn. You can call them. You can email them. And better yet, if you know somebody who works at the organization where you want to work, you have that person submit your resume for you. Then you're an internal referral and they will not ignore you. That's simple. Great advice. Yeah, that's, that's really great advice. It's like go the extra mile. And that's a great way to stand out before you even walk into the interview. They know that you've really pushed this process. A friend of mine, her daughter's looking for an internship this summer, and she's like, I'd love to get in with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and, and she's looking for a sports team. And she said, but I don't want her to mention my name anywhere. And she's in media. And she said, she can mention my name, but I'm not going to make the phone calls for her. I want to see how well she can hustle these interviews up and get her resume. And I thought, what a great lesson for her coming out of college or still in college actually to learn. How will you stand out when you're applying? So if you're trying to do that when applying, how would you recommend someone stand out in that actual interview other than being authentic? Because actually that sounds like it's the most important thing. Be prepared. It's really simple. Interviews seem like this thing that's very difficult, but I boil it down all the time to an interview is a set of questions about you. You are the expert on you. It's very simple to prepare for an interview. It, my product helps you, obviously. So you can go on my website, shiftprofile.com, and get a job seeker or a hiring manager profile. It's the result of a 20-question personality assessment that is scientifically validated. And it will tell you, are you a charmer, a challenger, an examiner, or harmonizer in interviews? And then it has 30 pages of questions to practice, what to do. If you go into an interview unprepared because you tell yourself, well, I don't want to be scripted. I want it to be conversational. I, that is an excuse you're telling yourself. I have interviewed over 10,000 people. I guarantee you one thing. I have never, ever seen anybody do well on the spot. You think executives don't prepare? You think the president, you know, like, Nobody goes into a, an important meeting or an interview just winging it. It's very simple. Prepare and practice. Those are the two things you need to do. It's not rocket science. What I'm teaching people is something very simple. Now, the mindset stuff is the, probably the harder part. But once you get past that and you can practice and prepare you're going to do so much better. And as a hiring manager right now, I mean, you could, because you really do speak to both. I and mean, we've talked a lot about job seekers, but from the hiring manager side of the table in that interview, there's so many new topics that have come up over the past few years. And right now, probably more importantly, is this flex time, work from home time. There's just so many different things. But I really enjoy that you're, you're data-driven. These are the four categories. But are there any areas on that hiring manager side that they should walk into the interview with? Um, I, I imagine other than an open mind. Oh, 
listen, hiring managers bomb in all the time. Okay. They go into interviews. They haven't even read the resume. They haven't created interview questions. They're just going to go on feel. I mean, there are just as many problems with hiring managers as there are with job seekers. What hiring managers need to do is they need, they need a strategy. They need to have a written job description. They need to write down what they're looking for ahead of time because we know scientifically that decreases bias and makes better hires. They need to actually have interview questions that they're going to ask everybody. They're going to need to interview everyone in the same way. A structured interview is going to reveal much better results than you take one candidate out to breakfast and then the other one you have a Zoom interview with and then the other person you have in for the boardroom. I mean, how do you compare candidates like that? And there's so many things hiring managers can do better. And we train hiring managers. I train small to mid-sized businesses, large corporations using this framework and and my 11 years of experience. So if I'm leaving an interview and I feel like the hiring manager wasn't prepared for me, just really made an assessment of me maybe by my looks or whatever it is in the first few minutes, how do we handle that? Is that just a flat out, hey, let me just keep looking for a better company. Let me look for someone who I can actually have a proper interview with. Or is there anything we can do to turn that around and get them to really see us for who we are? I think that... When you're in a situation where maybe a hiring manager is unprofessional or they ask you unprofessional questions or you just get the feel that they're not prepared or all these things, I always say, rise above. You stay professional. You have no idea if this is an act. You have no idea if they're testing you. You have no idea who they know. So it never benefits you to like call them out or end the interview. No, just stay super professional and use it as practice and then leave the interview knowing I don't ever want to work for that jerk or that company left a bad taste in my mouth. You know, commenters are always asking you know, or saying like, if, if they did X, Y, and Z, I'm not interviewing. Or if they asked this question, I'd get right up. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you know I love how direct you are. There is no way. I mean, that is keyboard courage right there. I'm going to tell you right now, take as many <laughs> interviews as possible. The only way to get better at interviewing is to do it. And you're going to run into some jerks. Don't take it personally. It's on them. And know that if that's the way they interview, it's probably a red flag. So find a different company, but don't let it affect your reputation. Don't, don't say something that would be inappropriate. You know, don't stoop to their level. That's right. That's right. Well, with all this great advice, I'd love to hear the mentor moment that you want to share with us today. Yeah, that's, this is a fascinating question because I really thought deeply about this and I'm going to be really honest with you. I've never had a mentor. I appreciate that honesty. So I haven't had like a formal mentor. Someone I sign up with, like, will you please mentor me and teach me everything about life? And and I, right. <laughs> I mean, where are those people? I, I'd like to find one if they are out there. But that's why I like talking about the moments because often we've traveled, we've heard things from friends, we've had these ideas given to us, these pieces of advice during times that we really needed it, or we may not have known we needed it. And it's something that you've used, something that you can either live by or recall or think. And given all the knowledge that you have with over 10,000 interviews, the people you help, you do help people in many ways. And so how were you inspired to actually want to speak candidly to people, want to give them good advice? What are some things that you live by that may guide you to do what you do every day? 
So what, what guides me and why I do this, where my passion comes from is that I moved out at 15 to escape a really abusive stepfather. And I started working. I moved in with my grandparents for a year. My grandfather had a debilitating stroke. And then I was on, on my own. Mm. I, I went to high school and I worked to put myself through school and pay rent. And I knew the only way to get out of that situation would be to educate myself and go to college. And my grandfather wanted that for me. And I set my sights on getting an education. And I got into school and I went for a semester and I couldn't afford it. And then I went to a community college for a year and it was an incredible program. I was in this honors program and I applied to the University of Pennsylvania, an Ivy League school, someplace I didn't belong. Me, I didn't belong there, right? I moved out at 15. I didn't have the best grades. I didn't have stellar SAT scores. And they asked me to come into an interview for my admissions process. So I did. And I told them the story that I just told you that I moved out young and I didn't play extracurricular activities and I didn't have the best grades, like good grades, but you know, they weren't like all their other applicants. And I was just totally honest with them. Like, this is, this is who I am. These are the reasons why I'm not as good as your other applicants, but I have grit and I have determination and you'll never meet anyone more perseverant than me. And the Dean looked at me and he said, well, you have a tough decision to make. You can wait for the letter or I can accept you on the spot. Oh, what a great story. And that, that yeah. interview changed my life. And it wasn't really until about a couple of years ago where I realized that's where my passion for interviewing comes from. That I went from a girl who is essentially homeless in Maine to going to an Ivy League school who's now built a multi-million dollar business. And it's all because an interview changed my life. I believe wholeheartedly that an interview can change your life. I have been on both sides of the table for my 20-year career. You can be in a position that changes the entire trajectory of your life if you see that moment as something that could be magical. What would have happened if I had gone into that interview at Penn and bombed it? What would have happened if I hadn't been prepared or if I hadn't stood in my authenticity and told my story? What would have happened? Where would my life have gone? And I mentor and I coach people all the time to say, what are you afraid of? Let's prepare you for this because this can change your life, this promotion, this job. Why are you staying stuck in something that makes you miserable and unhappy and doesn't pay you what you're worth? This is why I do what I do. So in the sense that I never had mentors or teachers, I mentor and teach people, millions of people on the internet every day, certainly. And also I coach clients all the time. My purpose in this life, I think, is to be the change I wish to see in the world and to be the person I wish I had all those years ago. That's what I do. And that's why I do it, because I truly believe an interview can change your life. And I just wrote a book about the four interview styles. And that's the title of my first chapter, An Interview Can Change Your Life. You know, 18-year-old you or so that went to University of Pennsylvania and had that interview with the dean, did you feel like you had nothing to lose or did you feel like you had everything to lose if you bombed it? Oh, you know, I reflect back on that interview. It was like I felt the gravity of the situation. Like in a lot of ways, I had nothing to lose. I was waiting tables at the time um, and I knew that this was what I wanted more than anything in the world. I knew that I wasn't the same as everyone else and I had to explain that. But I wasn't going to be woe is me. I'm not a victim. It was like, 
what did I learn from this? What did I gain? Why do they care? Why am I a good applicant because of these things? And that's how I coach my clients. You know, we don't fail in life because life sucks. We fail because we learn our biggest lessons from our failures. And not that my childhood was a failure necessarily. It was just, it was a, it was some bad stuff that happened to me, but I'm not going to walk around being a victim. I have always been an optimist. I always focus on what did I get from this? What has it given me? How have I grown? And from all of that, that was essentially my mode in that interview was like, you know, I did all this stuff and I know you have these other students who have played three sports and got all these great grades, but like, I didn't do that. But like, I did something else that they didn't do. I worked every day and I bought my own car and I got myself to school and I was paying rent as it was when I was a senior in high school. I always focus on what I learned in the future and what I can offer and what my transferable skills are rather than take pity on me. Like that was not at all ever what I wanted anyone to do. You know, I didn't want that. I wanted them to see that I was strong and perseverant. Yeah. I think the fact that you were able to do that at that young age, be optimistic. I mean, of course, to support yourself, but just the approach that you have. Most people are aspiring to do that as adults. And so it's really impressive. Really, really impressive. And I'm sure it came from somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, somewhere. I'm sure you got that peace in, in you that's such an optimist and with all the grit. I love that. What a wonderful story. Anna, I know that you have close friendships and many people that admire you. And we do ask for our guests to send out a, a quick text and how would they describe you? What would they say about you? Because we know you from TikTok. We know you from Facebook. But how do your friends see you? I have to say, Rainy, I do a lot of podcasts. And <laughs> this has probably been my most fun homework assignment I've ever done. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm going to pull it up. So um, you get the uh, the real deal, you know. Well, it, hey, listen, I wouldn't expect anything else from you rather than the real deal. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, this is a really fun exercise. So I texted three of my dearest friends. Um, and my friend Deirdre, she's so sweet. She said... This is unedited, but let me know, you know, so here we go. Sure, steady, dazzling, intuitive, and welcoming soul that has an uncanny ability to connect with a wide variety of personalities and make them all feel like they've been friends for a lifetime. That's very Mm, sweet. It is. Yeah. A lot of words, and those are all good ones. (laughs) I think there's another one that I can find, too. Yeah, this was a really fun, this kind of feels like, a personality assessment. Maybe if you're in the corporate world, you've done a 360, right? But to hear your friends in their own words describe you is, it's like an assessment. It's like a mirror. Is it something that you were excited to see what they'd say? Or were you a little bit uh, uncertain of how they would approach it? No, I have some pretty stable self-awareness and I have really close relationships. So I had a semi-good idea of what they might say. One of my other best friends, she's a riot. I asked her about it. And she said, the girls got balls. <laughs> the end. <laughs> and, then, and then she cleaned it up and she wrote a real one. And she said, you've never met Anna. She's a powerhouse. Even in her most silent moments, this is going to make me cry. She's audacious and completely gracious. A fun, fierce, fabulous friend. I kind of feel like that's sort of a theme in these texts and in the advice I've gotten. And if I had to think of a mental moment, it might be 
when I quit my job as a director of talent acquisition, I walked into the president's office and I said, listen, I have this dream. I don't have any kids right now. I have enough money saved. I want to do this thing. I have to do this in my life. And he put his glasses on his head and he leans back and we're in his big corner office. And he looked at me and he said, I follow my dreams every single day. That's what makes me successful. And I have to say, you have some moxie, girl. And for me, that's the most important thing, to be authentic and to be brave in those moments. That's a powerful story. And it's because he saw you having moxie. He even saw himself in your decision. And I mean, how can someone not support that? It it sounds like it was this small nod of approval from him, but a huge mental endorsement from you. And It's in your DNA, Hannah, the moxie gene. You got it. I think that's a theme in what my friends have always said about me and all of my bosses and people um, that know me really well is that I'm I'm brave. Always have been. And I think that's what I got from moving out at a young age and and just who I am. I think it's also in my DNA, like you were saying. Okay, everyone. Anna is probably already in your social feed, but if not, how can we find you, Anna, and all the great resources that you've mentioned with us today? Uh, Yeah, if you're in need of some interview tips, you can certainly follow me on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram where I share minute-long tips. I just did a recent series, Do Just One Thing Today to Get a New Job, which has been a really fun series. Just really quick tips to help you. If you're looking to get some deeper insight, you can get a shift profile at my website, shiftprofile.com. If you'd like to book me as a speaker and any of that, you can also do that on my website. There's a speaker page. And if you'd like to book sessions with me, you can do that on my website as well. And really, I'm super excited about the fact that this time next year, my book will be coming out. So stay tuned for that. If you follow me on social or join us with an email address, we'll let you know when that's all happening. Anna, please keep us updated on your book release and do not stop sharing all the great advice. I just love it. It's it's such valuable information. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a guest today. This was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I hope you'll walk away feeling inspired and are thinking of how a mentor moment can help you or someone you know. In case you haven't hit the follow button to subscribe to this show, please do so. And if you love the episode, I'd really appreciate a review. You see, this review helps Apple or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to us on know that other women just like you want to learn about the show and it'll help us spread the word. Let's connect on Instagram at Working Women Mentor or at Rainy Alfers. You can find all episodes online at rainyalfers.com forward slash podcast and the ability to send an audiogram of your favorite mentor moments. And we respond to everyone. I truly can't wait to hear from you. Check back weekly for new episodes and cheers until the next episode.